Hi. Oh God. Oh God. I can I can hear myself. So hey, this is Mark. Um, just a, a caveat, a warning. This episode may have some gaps in the editing, and that is because there was stuff there. There is no longer anything there. I just decided it would probably be safer to continue that way. Not safer, easier, actually. Um, if you listen to my mid-season update, I kind of talk about that a little bit. But if you're listening to this episode, you are probably listening to the last episode where you will ever near... Words are hard. You're probably listening to the last episode where you will ever need to hear a message such as this. So, uh, kick back, relax, and cue up the record uh, that I would be talking about. And enjoy. Thanks. Imagine that you live in a city that has been torn in two by devastating war. Imagine a wall preventing you from fleeing the oppressive government and its brutal secret police. This could be 1984, and you could be the protagonist of British prog rock band's Camel's album, Stationary Traveler. Hi again. I'm Mark D., IT guy, dad, and generally bad music nerd. And in this episode, we're going to look a little bit into Camel's Cold War-themed album, Stationary Traveler. I'm very convinced that the word traveler was, or perhaps still is, used for spies in the Cold War, However, I'm having a hard time backing up that fact. As a kid, I read more than a couple of Cold War-era spy novels. And um, this is a, a, a memory that I have, or a feeling that I get. This album is uh, pretty much, as put forth in the initial introduction, a concept album about escaping East Berlin. I don't really have a lot of um, information on this album, but let's run with what numbers we have, or perhaps read through its dossier. And I'm loving the spy imagery. It's a romantic way to think of a dangerous and sometimes brutal profession and uh, a really dangerous time for the world in general. The Stationary Traveler was released April 13th, 1984 on Decca Records. The original length is 42 minutes and 14 seconds. However, the 2004 re-release is 48 minutes and 36 seconds. And most of this comes from slightly longer takes on most songs. Cherry Red Records also did a 2009 reissue with a bonus track In the Arms of the Walting Frauleins and the Pressure Points Extended Mix. I've not heard this release. This album was never so popular that it charted and spawned, as far as I know, no singles. The original release is 10 tracks long, making for an average track length of about 4 minutes and 20 seconds. I have a vinyl copy of a Decca Records release that says it's 1984. Flipping to the next page on the dossier, we have some context, some background, if you will. Camel, a prog rock band founded in 1971, had prior to this released nine albums, of which their sophomore effort, Mirage, and subsequent follow-up, The Snow Goose, garnered critical acclaim and even allowed them to sell out Royal Albert Hall and have a U.S. tour. The Snow Goose is a certified silver record in the UK. The band had shuffled many members for a myriad of reasons and found itself in several legal troubles, and by the time that production of Stationary Traveler was to start, uh, Andy Latimer, founding member Andy Latimer, was really the only one in the band. He wrote the music for the album except for the track Afterwards, which was written by Dutch keyboardist, and I'm going to destroy his name, uh, Ton Scherpenziel, 
who joined the band just before recording this album. Susan Hoover, who uh, is also Andy Latimer's wife, had been contributing lyrics and composition to the band since 1981's album Nude, and handled all of the lyrics for this one as well. Latimer and Scherpenziel are artists mainly credited on the album for the majority of instrumentation, and Latimer does handle some of the vocals as well, and by some I mean all except for one track. There were other musicians that contributed to the recordings, and you can check that out on the Discogs page, linked in the show notes. Critics enjoyed the album, and several performances on the Pressure Points tour were filmed and produced into actual releases. This, however, would be the last Camel album for some time due to legal issues. So let's uh, cue it up. Or let's spin it up and then hit the cue lever. I, do you cue up records? I want to say you cue up records because they have a cue lever. Pressure points, and I guess the album in its entirety, definitely wears the fashion of its time. Synth-heavy and soaring guitar parts mark this two-minute instrumental, which almost sets up a game of cat and mouse in my mind. I quite enjoy the atmosphere of the Scherpenziel synth, punctured with the shredding of Latimer on guitar. Refugee is not a Tom Petty song. This is a Latimer vocal, and it focuses on the construction of the Berlin Wall, the ideology behind it, as well as the implication uh, to Joe Citizen. Scherpenziel contributes what I would categorize as a sick accordion part to this track. This conflict is essentially the focal point of the Cold War as I imagined it when I was 12, but I'm also finding that this can hold true currently in modern times. The track is bolstered by abundant Latimer guitar. Vopos is almost a fever dream of someone trying to get out of East Berlin or perhaps witnessing someone getting caught by the secret police from crossing over. It seems disjointed and almost out of order, as if shock was involved and, and everything had become jumbled up and confused. This is another Latimer vocal, and his guitars are in many places, but this track is primarily synth. Between Latimer and Scherpenziel, they play a number of synths, including a Yamaha CS80, a Prophet, a PPG, and a Juno 60. It is an extremely catchy track, but the catchiest is yet to come. Cloak and Dagger Man is definitely the heater on this record. If I'm hearing this in the car, it puts me into a full-on Robert Ludlum mode. I'm checking my mirrors, I'm changing lanes, and making wrong turns on purpose to see if anyone is following me. This would be on my stereo right before applying to the CIA, if that's a thing that I would do. Uh, tradecraft is something that gets overlooked a lot, but some of the authors really had a penchant for it, and it made it feel heroic and necessary, this, this violent spy game, this dangerous occupation. This isn't a Latimer vocal, but actually a Chris Rainbow vocal, which is why it sounds a little different. But this is like the tense and, and, and sweaty, like near escape, run for your life type music, because your connect on crossing over got burned, and you were almost ensnared with them, right? You just, you just slipped the noose, you, you just notched the perimeter, or 
or cause a distraction or some misdirection just enough to get away. The titular track, Stationary Traveler, is the morose reality check. Yes, you may have escaped the trap, but your contact, whom you liked and would have befriended had circumstances been different, did not. It's the harsh reality to this romantic idea of spies and espionage. This is the cold sunrise that the oppressed must face every day of their lives. Latimer brings to this one his... I don't have a lot of frame of reference for this instrument, but um, I'm going to characterize it as a savage pan flute. He also brings soaring guitars over Seal synths and Paul Burgess drums. I would love to know what Latimer's gear was because I absolutely love this tone. It's Gilmorian, but not meaning quite the same sonic quality in that it is, it is not quite as piercing. It's maybe a little more rounded off. This does feel like it could be something of a later Pink Floyd track, perhaps. It's almost like um, something off the Division Bell. High hopes, maybe. Sort of. I don't know. West Berlin is the heist of this cinematic movie that we've been going through. It's got a catchy bridge and hook coupled with good syncopation to make it a complete and all-around earworm. I found myself humming this while taking tests or working on particularly challenging problems. Latimer is also laying down this thick baseline, thick with two C's. It's a hopeful track because the idea of freedom is so close it's within sight. He can smell it on the wind and he can taste it in his mouth. It's the last day on the wrong side of the wall. Finger trips, uh, fingertips is the love track. In a spy book, the 48-year-old male protagonist with two university degrees, eidetic memory, and infallible instincts needs to hook up with someone. The fact that he's graying at the temples does nothing to dissuade someone from checking out his athletic build. This song is probably a lot more honest than the pulp novel's shallow wish fulfillment, but it's, it's a trope that is kind of holding true. At its core, the message is good and solid and not even remotely Bondian, and is perhaps more the comfort or the impending regret of leaving your home and everyone in it behind. Objects can be replaced, but people in relationships to a much greater extent cannot be. Latimer is credited as playing a drumulator, and in looking up a photo of this drumulator, I'm kind of wishing that modern industrial design started a throwback movement to boxes that looked exactly like this. There will be an image in the show notes. Sorry for geeking out on an old synth, but it looks super damn cool. It's the right amount of square and empty space and square buttons and it's just angles and I want it in my life. I also just have to say that Mel Collins on the saxophone is just absolutely appropriate and wonderful. Missing is an instrumental that feels like it could be on the run music. You've jumped down from the fire escape as the Stasi have kicked on your door. Someone was able to identify you from the bus yesterday and they just found you as darkness fell. You've got to break sight lines, dodge traffic, mislead and misdirect pursuers. 
there's a passage in here at around uh, a minute 30 that feels like it could be something in the year 2000 Ion Storm game Deus Ex, which was a pretty heavily spy-themed sci-fi shooter. RPG? Action shooter RPG? It's complicated. Well, that's for another podcast. Latimer Shreds, as per usual, he uh, also does everything on this track except for PPG voices, and I'm not quite sure what that means. Afterwards is the track written by Sherpenseal, and it feels like it might be what the people left behind are feeling. The families, or, or perhaps it's the survivor's guilt. The one who got out can, can only be sad about everyone left behind and might even go so far as to wonder what, what the secret police might do to them or, or what might happen to them, what the repercussions of their escape might be. Long Goodbyes is most definitely about the reminiscence, reminiscing, the, uh, the, the, remin the, the memories, the looking back of a female protagonist leaving Eastern Germany. She's on the other side, but she's left everything and everyone she knew. It seems that she's actually leaving a lover, so the protagonist of the entire album may have been this female the whole time. I'd like to think that that's the case. I'd like to think that this young woman has bested the fearsome secret police who have underestimated her to metaphorically break through the wall to freedom, but also, literally, I guess, to, to cross the wall, literally, but to break through it metaphorically to freedom. But in this triumph has wrought a sadness, although not quite regret in her life. She's made a life on this side of the wall, and it suits her. Latimer rocks a soaring guitar solo, even more soaring than the last few times that I used that adjective to describe a guitar solo. There's a fretless bass on this track that gives it even more freedom, and that's, the, that's themes for you. Latimer, Latimer's a thinker. And this closes out the album. I'd like to be the type of person that has deep and encyclopedic knowledge about prog rock, and I'd like to mention that Tom Sherpenseal was in Kayak, and that all the other band members were in all of these other obscure European prog bands, but those aren't actually things that I know. Uh, I never thought that someone would call a band Kayak before researching this album, and when I found out that they were Dutch, that made all the more sense. I got into Camel, and um, I, I guess I got past the surface of prog rock, which is like, you know, Pink Floyd and Rush. Because it, uh, Camel was mentioned by uh, Mikkel Ackerfeldt of Opeth as one of his inspirational bands. Mirage is probably my favorite Camel album, followed closely by this one, regardless of how of the time it may or may not feel to be. I do have some romantic views of the Cold War from media that caught me at a very formative time in my life, and this is kind of all part of it. It all just balls up into in there into. Um, this weird stew of memories and feelings. I love the instrumentation on this album completely and unabashedly. I find the concept to be more honest than how I saw the time, but also more beautiful than I could have imagined it. Long Goodbyes, it, that track really gets me, like every time. All of the tracks on this album are relatively long, and they're lush, 
and vibrant, and sometimes I had a hard time trying to pick out a taste for each one because there's so many riffs or movements or, or what have you that were good. Uh, the vocals also really go a long way to filling in the feeling of each song, but I didn't include any of them, so there's that. But I'm not going to give you a long goodbye. You can find me on Twitter at CoolMarkD, Cool with a C and Mark with a K. I'd love to hear what you thought about this album after you listened through to it. Uh, you can find this podcast wherever podcasts are found. Uh, be nice to people and uh, just keep spinning or just keep queuing them up or, or spin them or crates, right? Record thing, vinyl. <laughs>